Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Welcome you all today and glad you're here and we're in the middle of a sermon series through the, in, through the book of Nehemiah. So today we're in Nehemiah chapter 5. So take your Bibles if you will please, whether it's an electronic version or, or a traditional hard copy, take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah chapter 5. And we're going to continue this, this study through the journal of Nehemiah. Uh, he wrote for us, uh, he wrote in his journal, and the Lord incur- certainly inspired that and included that in the full canon of Scripture. And so we're blessed today to be able to read and glean from the journal of a very great man, a man that did some amazing things for the Lord. And by the way, Nehemiah wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a preacher, he's just a, he's just a lay person, okay? And he went back to do a great, great work for the Lord. And we've been working our way through this over the past several weeks now and so today we're in Nehemiah chapter 5. Last week we were in Nehemiah chapter 4. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, as well as in Nehemiah chapter 6, you're going to see there were some external pressures placed upon the Jewish people as they were trying to rebuild the walls and rebuild their country and rebuild their people. In Nehemiah chapter 5, however, we're seeing that the pressures are not from the outside. The persecution is not from the outside. The problem is not from the outside. The problem is from within the people. And so, really, whenever you study the book of Nehemiah, what you can find, you can see really a very good parallel between what was taking place with Nehemiah and the people of Israel, the Jewish people, and the church in our day. May I just put a preface out there to say this. The external persecutions on the church... It's like throwing gas or water on a, on a grease fire, if you will. I mean, it's just going to spread. It's going to really make us healthier. It's going to unite us. It's going to make us stronger. So I'm not concerned about the external persecution and pressure from the outside placed on the church. The problem is when we have internal conflict. Right? The problem is when we have internal persecution, if you will, I think it was uh, Dr. James Vernon McGee that said this. He said, if, if Satan cannot destroy the church from persecution on the outside, then he'll join it. Are you with me? If, if he can't destroy the church from the outside, then his next strategic move is to join it and cause a cancer or an AIDS epidemic, if you will, to take place among the people within the church to divide and conquer the church. So that's really what we're looking at here in Nehemiah chapter number 5. Last week in chapter 4, and thank you Paul for filling in for me last week in my absence, last week in chapter 4 we dealt with the external pressures on, on the people of Jerusalem. Today we're going to look at the internal pressures on the people of Jerusalem and see what takes place. So is everybody there? Are you there in Nehemiah chapter 5? I'm going to read verses 1 down through verse number 13. Okay? I think it's important that we understand we get this context. By the way, 
Those uh, has everyone been receiving my text messages whenever I send out a text and let you know the scripture that we're going to be unpacking each and every Sunday. If you're not getting that, that means we do not have a good cell phone number for you. So on your connection card, just tear it off right now and write your name on there and put a good cell number that we can include you with our mass church text and send out these announcements to you and send out the scripture. I think it does you good. I think it does all of us good to be able to know the scripture we're going to be teaching from on Sunday morning. That way you can read it through the week, get somewhat acclimated to it, and then when we start unpacking it, it'll bring back some thoughts that you've had on that particular passage of scripture. Okay? So we're in Nehemiah chapter 5. Let's look, if you will, in verse number 1. All right? Now remember, we're just gleaning and reading out of the journal of Nehemiah. All right? It's an amazing journal that he has for us. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. He says, There was a widespread outcry from the people and their wives against their Jewish countrymen. Some were saying, We, our sons and daughters, are numerous. And let us get, get grain so that we can eat and live. And others were saying, We are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. And still others were saying, We have borrowed money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. And we and our children are just like our countrymen and their children, yet we are subjecting our sons and daughters to slavery. And some of our daughters are already enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Now, here's what was taking place. Let me kind of set the stage for you so you understand what was taking place here. The people of Jerusalem, the Jews, have been, because of their rebellion against God, have been sent away into captivity, okay? But now they're being released and able to come back segments at a time and groups at a time back into their own country to reestablish their own city, to reestablish their own belief system, to reestablish Israel, if you will. Okay? Some had already made the journey, but some are just now making the journey in. The ones that had already made the journey, it looks like to me in Scripture that it was the wealthier families that were able, once they were released out of persecution, to be able to make the journey and get there. But now once Nehemiah is there, he realizes there are other tribes and there's other families and there's other people that are not there. And he's going out and helping them come in. And I think we can see in Scripture that it's a, it's a poorer class of people, financially speaking, that are coming in. And the rich that are already there are taking advantage of the poorer families that are coming in. Now, everyone is to be rebuilding the wall. Okay. Every family has their portion on the wall that they are to be building. And here we have, in this particular season of time, it's harvest time. And we have the Jewish families that are giving their life, sacrificing, and working on the wall. But yet, in order to get grain or harvest or food for their family, they're being having to borrow money from the wealthier Jews in the country... And there's a dilemma taking place. There's a struggle and a problem among the people. Now, here's what I want you to know. Nehemiah has no clue this is taking place. Okay? Nehemiah is focused on bringing the people back and rebuilding the wall. Bringing the people back, rebuilding the wall. Bringing the people back, rebuilding the wall. Overseeing all that, which was a huge task for him to take on as his work for the Lord. So he was not even aware of some of the injustice that was taking place among the people. I just want you to see that. In verse number 6, writing in his journal, apparently now he's been made aware 
of what's taken place among his people. And when he's been made aware, it says in verse number 6, and this is Nehemiah writing in his journal, he says, I became extremely angry. Guys, you realize it's okay to be angry from time to time? Matter of fact, the scripture says, be angry and sin not. There are some times in our life when we need to get angry about some things. When Nehemiah is God's man doing God's work, God's way for God's glory... At this particular moment, when he hears of the social injustice that's taken place among his people, the Bible says that he writes in his journal that he became extremely angry over what was taking place when I heard the outcry and these complaints. And after seriously considering the matter, I accused the nobles and the officials, saying to them, Each of you is charging his countrymen interest. So I called a large assembly against them and said, We've done our best to buy back our Jewish countrymen who are sold to foreigners. But now you sell your own countrymen. We have to buy them back. So you see where Nehemiah is out and the countrymen and his own people that are still been bought off into slavery in other places. He's trying to buy all them back and get them back into Jerusalem to help rebuild the walls and rebuild the people and the morale of the people. But the wealthier ones then, because they're they're taking advantage of those that do not have the wealth, are taking advantage of them, charging them great interest, and then also taking their sons and daughters into slavery and selling them back out again. And Nehemiah's having to go back out and buy them back in. That's what he's saying. And it says, when he exposed this to them, look if you will, they remained silent and could not say a word. So Nehemiah did not know what was taking place. Once he's aware of what's taking place, he becomes extremely angry. The Bible says he calls the noblemen, the leaders, those that were doing this, publicly brings them all together, exposes them for what they're doing, and Scripture says they remained silent and could not say a word. And then in verse number 9 he says, Then I said, What you're doing isn't right. Shouldn't you fear the Lord or fear? Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God and not invite the reproach of our foreign enemies? Even I, as well as my brothers and my servants, have been lending them money and grain. Please let us stop charging this interest. Return their fields and vineyards and olive groves and houses to them immediately, along with the percentage of the money and the grain, the new wine, the olive oil that you've been assessing them. And they responded, we will return these things and require nothing more from them. We will do As you say, now, here's what I want you to see what Nehemiah did for those that were over this injustice that's taken place. He calls a public meeting. He gets them all together. He exposes. He just throws the blankets off the bed. He exposes the problem for what it is. Everybody can see, tells them what they're doing is wrong. And then he says, now I want you to pay back everything you've taken. I want you to give back their land. I want you to quit charging them interest. I want you to get back their sons and their daughters that you've been selling into slavery. It is not right. Give all of that back. And they say, okay, we'll do that. But here's what I want you to see. Nehemiah says, that's not enough. It's not enough just for me to expose the problem. It's not enough for me to tell everybody what's happening. It's not enough for me to tell you to stop doing it. And it's not enough for you to say, okay, I agree to stop doing it. He took it one step further. He held them accountable. Look, if you will, in the latter part of verse number 12. He says, so I summoned the priest and made everyone take an oath to do this. And I also shook the folds of my robe. Now get this. 
He pulled the priests together. He's holding them accountable for their wrongdoings. He says, this is going to stop today. And they agreed. And he said, I'm going to take it one step further. I'm calling in the priest. And we're going to take an oath before the priest. And he says that he shook his robe. I also shook the folds of my robe and said, May God likewise shake from his house and property everyone who doesn't keep this promise. May he be shaken shaken out and have nothing. So what Nehemiah is saying is now this. What you're doing is wrong. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm bringing the priest in. We're going to sign an oath. We're going to shake out our robes. In other words, you're going to sign this oath if you do not agree to it, if you do not live by it, if you continue in the social injustice that you're doing among the people. He said, I'm going to pray and ask God to bring judgment on you. He will shake out everything that you have in your possession. Judgment will be brought on your house if you don't do what is right. Now here I want you to see, before we go any further, I want you to see an image and I want you to see a picture and I want to try to expound on it briefly. Look at this image, if you will, on the screen. There was a gentleman sometime back late fall, late November. He came into me and he was carrying in the back of his truck something like this. It was two deer that he found on his property. The antlers had been tangled together and locked together. Apparently these two butts, not those two, that was the closest thing I can find to what he brought to me on Google. I wish I'd have taken a picture of what he brought to me because I could use it in so many different ways, but I didn't. So this is the closest thing. In the back of his pickup truck, he said, I want you to look what I found on my property. Apparently two big bucks had gotten into a fight over something. They had locked horns. They could not separate one from another. They were entangled in that affair, for whatever reason they were fighting, and they both died there. Now, may this be for all of us a silent reminder of what happens for those in the body of Christ that enjoy locking horns with other people over different issues and different agendas that they may be trying to push through for themselves. You know... I want you to remember, the whole sermon series title for the book of Nehemiah is doing God's work, God's way, for God's glory. His work, His way, for His glory. It's not my work, my way, for His glory, right? It's His work, His way, for His glory. But occasionally there are those within the church, within the body of believers, even in Nehemiah's day as he's rebuilding the wall, that are just not treating each other the way they should be treating one another. Before the service started, the first part of the service today, I shared with you Galatians 6, 1 and 2. And there's a call that we have into each other's life to look after one another and care one for another. Do you think if we're entangling and pushing our agenda and there's this conflict and this fighting one with another, do you think that's living out Galatians chapter 6? No. May this image be a silent reminder to us that whenever we're doing that, whenever we're treating people unfairly, whenever we're not serving one another and caring for one another and loving one another, regardless of what rank or class or social status they may be in or how much money they have in the bank, none of that makes a difference. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should never be that locking of horns one with another. It will lead to your death. It will also lead to the death of the church in the death of a ministry. Amen? 
So may that be a silent reminder for all of us whenever we look at that. Matter of fact, Dr. James Vernon McGee made this quote. Just keep this image here. Dr. James Vernon McGee made this quote. He said, in the history of the church, we have seen that when the devil could not destroy the church by persecution, the next thing he did was join it. Dr. James Vernon McGee went on to say, the worst threat to the church are not the external pressures from without, but the internal pressures from within. He says, external pressures are like water on a grease fire, and the church will spread and heat up. But internal strife and bickering will be like AIDS. It will be like a cancer in the church that will ultimately divide and destroy the body. In Nehemiah chapter 4, we saw external pressures. In Nehemiah chapter 6, we'll see external pressures. In Nehemiah chapter 5, we see the internal pressures within the people of Israel and Jerusalem and how it must be dealt with, and we're going to see how Nehemiah deals with that. Now, let me say one more thing before we jump into the text. I want you to see, in verse number 6, Nehemiah was not aware of what was going on until it was brought to his attention. Once it was brought to his attention, he got really angry, and he did something about it. So let me say this. There's no way that Nehemiah could have helped out in this injustice that was taking place among his people unless he was made aware of the injustice that was taking place among his people. He didn't know all this was going on. He's focused on rebuilding the wall. He's focused on bringing the people together. He's leading this this very large project. And he was not aware of the smaller injustices that were taking place. So therefore he couldn't do anything about it. I had a family from another state church members in another state. I know the family well. I don't know the church that they are affiliated with, nor do I know the pastor that they are affiliated with. But this family reached out to me a couple weeks ago and said, Pastor, I need some counsel. I need some help. Said, we've been actively involved in this church and for a period of time, and we're leaving. We're hurt. We're angry. We've been treated unfairly. We're, we're, I don't know anything else to do but leave the church. And he shared with me some of the things that were going on. He said, so we're leaving the church. Please pray as we go out and search for a new church. Well, as a pastor, that grieved my spirit to hear that a family is leaving a church. And so I immediately asked him, I said, have you spoke to the pastor? He said, oh, no, I haven't spoke to the pastor, but I'm sure he feels the very same way. It was one of his deacons and one of the leaders of one of the ministries that did this to us and said this to us. I'm sure he's aware of all of it. So, no, I'm not going to go to him. We're just leaving the church. I said, do me a favor. Before you leave the church, will you at least go share with the pastor why you're leaving the church and why you're angry and why you're hurt? He said, okay, for you, I'll go do that. A few days passed, he calls me back or emails me back, and he said, thank you so much for that counsel. He said, we really do love where we're worshiping. We love our church and we love the people in the church. But there was a deacon and there was a church leader of a ministry that treated us unfairly, that said some harsh things to us, and they pretty much washed their hands of us. And he said the pastor had no idea that that had even happened. And so the pastor then called that deacon and called that church leader in and called that family in, and they all talked and they got things worked out, and everything is good. 
That was an illustration of what we see here in Nehemiah chapter 5. So let me bring it fast forward into January, what's the day, 31st, right? You know why I know that? Because next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. And you know why I know next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday? Because my Carolina Panthers are in the Super Bowl, right? Woo! Next Sunday is Jersey Sunday, by the way. So everybody go out and buy your Carolina Panther jersey and wear it next Sunday, okay? I will be sporting my Panther jersey next week, okay? All right, totally off the subject. I don't even know how I got there. What was I saying? What, how did I? January 31st. Fast forward from Nehemiah 5 to today. There may be some injustices that take place in our ministry. But don't get upset and leave the church until at least you talk with me. Because sometimes we're all people, right? Matter of fact, do you realize the church is the only organization where you have to raise your hand and you have to confess that, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I still cheat, lie, cuss, swear. Yes, I bring a reproach against Christ. Yes, I am not a perfect person, right? But I confess my sins I trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. The blood of our Savior has been applied to my life. I'm not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I'm trying my best to walk and live this Christian life, but I am not perfect. But matter of fact, that goes for me also. None of us are perfect. Matter of fact, poke your neighbor on the shoulder right now and say, you're not perfect. Go ahead. It's okay. All right? Now, that same neighbor that you told, get this, that same neighbor that you told them they are not perfect, now poke them on the shoulder and say, I'm not perfect either. Go ahead. All right. Okay, one more thing I want you to do. That same neighbor you poked on the shoulder and you told them they're not perfect, and then you told them you're not perfect, I want you to poke them on the shoulder again and say, I love you anyway. All right? Guys, listen. That's where we are. So there are going to be some things that are said. There are going to be some things that happen that that possibly may hurt you. It's not our intent that anyone gets hurt, but we are people, right? And people say things, do things, sometimes without thinking what may happen, and people get hurt. Listen, do me this favor. If you're going to leave the church and you feel like God's calling you to go to another ministry, come and talk with me, and if that's really the reason what's going on, you'll receive my full blessing, right? There, there, are, there are seasons in life. There are beginning and ends. There are different missions in life. And if God's calling you away to another ministry, another church, whatever, and it's truly God calling, you're going to have my blessing, right? But don't leave because you're hurt about something that took place or hurt at someone or someone said something or did not do something. You've got to bring it in and let's talk about it. You say, well, that was one of your leaders. Surely you know. No. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot that goes on. I don't have a clue what people are saying or doing. Now, I'm giving coaching advice. I'm giving counseling advice. I'm casting my vision. I'm casting different things with our leadership teams and ministry leaders. But when it gets down to where the rubber beats the road, a lot of times things are said and done and decisions are made. And I'm not even aware, really, at that level what's being done. So at least do me that favor, William. Nehemiah didn't have a clue what was going on. And sometimes there are things that take place at Victory Church. I don't have a clue that it took place. But give me a chance to talk to you about the problem. And let's bring in the problem and let's work it out, right? I mean, that's the way we do that, right? Okay, that's a whole other sermon whenever we talk about that kind of stuff. But I want you to see here in Nehemiah chapter number 5, that's kind of what was taking place here. 
There was this injustice taking place that Nehemiah was not even aware of, and he wrote it in his journal so that we could read and see exactly what took place. Now, let's try real quickly. What time have we got here? I am just about out of time, and I haven't really even gotten started yet. So let's look real quickly, and I promise you I won't keep you long. I want to look at about three or four different things here that we see in this journal that Nehemiah wrote for us about how he handled this situation that took place, this injustice that was taking place among his people that he wasn't aware of. Let's look and see how he handled it. Number one, jot this down and get these notes because things like this are going to happen. Right? There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be expectations that people have that maybe were not met. And don't just harbor that and stay hurt and angry and, and don't. Let's talk those things out. Okay? So here, that's what we see taking place. Number one, Nehemiah tried to understand the problem. Okay? There is a problem. Would you agree? Yes, a serious problem. When you have countrymen taking advantage of countrymen among the same country, and they all should be brothers and sisters, if you will, working together in the family of God, but they're taking advantage, they're manipulating one another. So Nehemiah, whenever he was made aware of what was taking place and what was going on, Scripture said that he got very angry. You see, it was harvest time. And Nehemiah had encouraged the people to work hard on the wall. And many of them were on the wall working very diligently and very hard. And they were sacrificing their own harvest time in their own fields. So there were others that were taking advantage of that and charging them to work their fields with great interest and giving them grain in return to the point of even taking their children off into slavery. And whenever Nehemiah heard these things, Scripture says that he got really angry. When he heard the outcry from the people and the complaints that were taking place among the people. So he tried his best to understand the problem. So whenever there's an injustice going on, you've got to do your best to articulate to the leader the problem that's taking place so that he can understand so we can all work together to fix the problem. Right? So that's what I want you to see, number one. Nehemiah tried to understand the problem. He tried his best. And Scripture says as soon as he understood, he got really, really angry. Number two, jot this down. He dealt with the root of the problem. Man, I love this about Nehemiah. What, what a brave, brave leader. He went straight to the core. He went straight to the root of the problem. And you'll see in verses 7, 7 and following... And after seriously considering the matter, I accused the nobles and the officials, saying to them, Each of you is charging his countrymen interest, so I called a large assembly against them. Now get this. He called all the people. He said, Everybody come to this meeting. We are going to expose this injustice that's taking place. We're dealing with the root of the problem. That's huge. He called this public meeting for them all to come together. He was not going to sweep this issue under the carpet. He was not just going to pray and hope that it goes away. And by the way, those kind of problems never do go away, right? They just get bigger and bigger and they manifest themselves in different ways. Those types of issues must be dealt with. Now, they must be dealt with in love, right? Galatians 6, 1 that I shared with you earlier today. Bring, we're going to bring both these worlds together. They must be dealt with in love, dealt with with compassion and mercy and grace and, and, and understanding and, and long-suffering and forgiveness. We're family, guys. Are you, do you get this? We're family. 
And here's what I know about family. Sometimes family have squabbles, right? I mean, we've made it a practice in raising our kids. We don't eat dinner sitting in the living room in front of the TV. Everybody comes to the dinner table for dinner. And there have been times when everybody comes to the dinner table for dinner, but everybody doesn't really love everybody, but we're going to eat dinner together at the table. Are you with me? Now, that's never took place with me and my wife. We always come to the table in perfect harmony every time, okay? It's typically our children, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, life happens, right? And as a family, sometimes there's issues and contentions. And, and don't just sit, come to the table. And when you come to the table and sit together and you start talking, it's amazing how when you start talking, you can work out some of these things, right? That's what's taking place here. Nehemiah's now dealing with the root of this problem. He's drilling down deep and he's exposing it publicly to all the people. And by the way, this wrongdoing, it affects a lot of different people So therefore, he brought it publicly into open with all the people. Number three, I want you to get this one. And we're just trying to work our way through this journal. He stood strong against those or to help those that had been wronged. You see in verses verses 9 down through verse number 13, man, Nehemiah is standing strong with those that have been wronged, right? There's an injustice that had been taking place. And he's calling a spade a spade. He's calling it what it is, right? If it's a duck and it walks like a duck and acts like a duck and quacks like a duck, it be a duck, right? And so Nehemiah is saying, we got a problem. Here's the problem. I don't care how much money you put in the offering plate. I don't care what your social status is. I don't care what your degrees may be in. I don't care what your rank may be. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ whenever we come into Victory Church. And if there's a problem, we got to deal with it regardless of what the social status may be of all of us, Right? The ground's level. Get this, guys. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Now, listen. I love our military. Man, I am so proud to be able to pastor a church where we can serve our military families. I love our military. And I love celebrating the rank advancements in our military. I love sending our young ones off. And next Sunday, we're going to be praying over Spencer and sending him off to the Army. And he goes down to Fort Leonard Wood, and he's going to start his military career. And I love sending off individuals that are going. I love welcoming home those that are coming back from deployments and serving their family while they're gone. I love going to promotion ceremonies, and I love going to retirement. I love all that stuff. But, guys, here's the thing. In the military, your rank puts you in a certain class. But at Victory Church, we check rank at the door. We're just brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Now, we're going to celebrate your advancements, and we're going to celebrate different things you do. And Yeah, we want you to, right? But when we come in here, we're just brothers and sisters. I mean, I love when we have officers serving with with enlistment guys and 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 I've had I've taken some of the enlistment individuals to lunch and they're saying I can't believe that's officer so and so and he just in here vacuuming and cleaning and working and doing but on base you wouldn't listen we're just brothers and sisters in the church right 
So that's how it's got to be with all of us. So if there's an injustice, we've got to deal with it. It doesn't matter what the levels may be. He stood strong to help those that were wrong. Now, let's look real quickly at this model. And I'm, I've got just one slide I want to put up here so you can see this model of res- resolving this type of conflict. And we see this straight from Nehemiah's journal. The first thing he did, he separates the people from the problem. Okay? It's not a class issue. Just what I was talking about. Right? Everybody, it's equal. It's a we problem. It's not a us and them problem. It's not a rich and poor problem. It is a we problem. So I want to say this about Victory Church. Get this, guys, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. When one of us is cut and one of us is hurt, we are all bleeding together as a family because it impacts every single one of us, right? So when one is cut, we all bleed. Say it with me. When one is cut, we all bleed. Say it again. When one is cut, we all bleed. It impacts every single one of us. So we've got to separate the people from the problem. It can't be a personality problem. It can't be a social status problem. It's a problem, right? And we've got to separate that. And then focus on the interests and not the positions, right? Nehemiah demonstrated how the actions of one group, which are the rich, was hurting the entire community. And so everyone was needed to build the wall. And God's everyone is needed in the ministry of Victory Church. It's not one or two and everybody. It's all of us collectively together doing our part. And then the third part, the results are based on God's Word. And I don't have time to unpack this. If you go back in the Old Testament, you'll see that how they're treating each other was preached against and or was in the law that they should not be treating each other the way they're treating each other. So Nehemiah based all the results and how he was dealing, this, dealing with this off the Word of God. And guys, what is our final authority in all of life? I'll give you a hint. It's God's Word, right? This is the final authority in all of our life, and especially whenever we're making decisions here, okay? So let me get the fourth one and I'll be done. And then I'm going to try to bring this to a close. Not only did he try to understand the problem, not only did he deal with the root of the problem, not only did he stand strong to help those that have been wrong, but number four, he built in accountability for his solution. And this is when he called in the priest. And he says, guys, we're going to take an oath that we're not going to treat each other like this. We're not going to do this one to another. All the wrongs that have been done, we're going to correct those. We're going to make them now right. We're going to give back all the possessions that we've taken from those unjustly. And we're going to do what's right. Okay? So we build in this accountability. We're going to sign this oath before the priest. And here's the oath we're signing. If we're not going to carry this out and stop acting and treating one another like this and give back and make the wrong right then we're going to pray that God's judgment will rest on you and your house and that he'll shake your robes, that he'll just take care of everything, wipe you out. That's kind of what he's saying. God's judgment may fall on you if we do not do what is the right thing to do. So let me close with this. Who are we? As a body of believers and as Christians and believers in Jesus Christ, who are we? There's a great verse of Scripture that in a very short verse, it tells us who we are. And the scripture is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 9. Look what it says. It says, but you are a chosen people. This is who you are, church. Every one of you are a chosen people. By the way, there's nobody here by mistake. There's no one here by accident. There's not a baby that's been born into this world where God said, oops, or uh uh-oh, I didn't see that one coming. 
I don't care how they were conceived. Okay? Are you with me? Life is a miracle and a blessing from God. We need to treat it as such. And every single one of us, we are a chosen people. Think about that. God chose me. And he chose you. We're a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's special possession. And I tell you what, guys, if you let that sink in, you talk about building self-esteem, that'll build self-esteem. When you realize the creator of this universe says that he has chosen me, that I am part of the royal priesthood, when I accept Jesus Christ as my son, I am a holy nation, I am his special possession, that's huge. That's who you are, church. So what should we be doing? I like when it says that we are a royal priesthood. That's where I get the thing, the, what I said earlier, that we are called into each other's life. We are called into one another. We are chosen by God. We are his royal priesthood. We're called. We're agents of all kinds to minister one to another and look after the well-being one of another. Let me close with one verse of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. And before I read that passage of Scripture, may I remind you at Victory Church, we're all family. If we've accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And may the love and the care and the consideration and the serving that we have one to another, may that bond be so real and so strong that the gates of hell cannot destroy the ministry of this church because we are a family, we love each other, we understand, we know sometimes there's going to be some conflict, there's going to be some misunderstandings, but we're going to talk those things out, we're going to show grace, we're going to show mercy, we're going to show compassion, one with another, and we are going to love one another and be family. May that bond be so strong that Satan and all of his demons can't do anything to impact this ministry, right? John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this they'll know that you're my disciples if you, what, love one another. That's a sign to the world. That Jesus said the world gets to judge you. And they get to see how you treat each other. And if you love each other, that's a sign to the world that, yep, they're my disciples. Right? Let me read this last scripture. Philippians 2, I'm done. Band, come on up if you will. Read this scripture. Look at this. And this is out of the message paraphrase. But look what it says. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Here's what he wants us to do. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. That's that koinonia. That's that fellowship one with another. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. It's not about your agenda or my agenda. When we start pushing our agendas and we almost find joy in the conflict that we have with others, it's going to be like that image we showed earlier. We're both going to be destroyed in the process, right? When we interlock our horns one with another, we're both going to die. It's not my agenda. It's his agenda. It's not my way. It's his way. It's not my work. It's his work. And it's certainly not for my glory. It's for his glory. Amen? So let's pray together. Father, 
Thank you so much for our time together in the Word today. And Lord, I know that in ministry and church family and serving together, sometimes there are issues that come up and something is said or something is done or something is not done or something is not said. And there's hurt feelings that take place. God, help us to to live out what Scripture teaches us about going one to another and sharing those hurts one with another and, and even coming to the leadership of the church to help resolve the issue and help us to know that that we're family. When we accept Christ as our Savior, when we realize that we've sinned, that Jesus lived a perfect life, that He died on the cross for our sins and all of our sins, the sins of the whole world were placed upon Him. Then He was buried and He rose victoriously the third day. And when we place our faith in the finished work of the cross, we are now born again, saved, and become a part of the family of God. Then we identify with a local church. And there we have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But then sometimes misunderstandings or hurt feelings evolve. Help us to be a people that talk those things out. God, I don't know where everybody may be today, but the external persecutions that a church may receive, I think those types of things unite us and make us stronger. But when we have the internal conflict, may the image of these two deer skulls be embedded in our spirit, in our brain that when we constantly push our agenda and when we oftentimes enjoy the conflict that we may be pushing and making help us to realize in the end that's death for us as an individual and for us as a ministry in the church help us to learn how to deal with these the way Nehemiah did help us to expose them Help us to hold accountability in them with you. And Father, today we come to the foot of the cross realizing that we're just sinners. But we do have a responsibility one to another. And that responsibility is that we bear each other's burdens. That we come along each other and we esteem others of greater value than ourselves. That we come into the family of God and we look for ways that we can serve and be a blessing to others. Instead of being served by others, we're looking for ways to serve. Father, have your will and way in this time together. And I don't know how you spoke to hearts today, but God, we give this to you. So church, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. You're just going to stay right there where you are. But will you take a moment and just reflect with the Lord in this time? Maybe God spoke to your heart about something. Maybe there's been a hurt, or maybe something's been said, and you just haven't dealt with it. Guys, you got to deal with it. And let's get everybody to the table and let's work on those things because the cancer of these undealt issues will eventually destroy us all. But help us to come to the table with love, and mercy, and forgiveness, and compassion.
say, I'm sorry, and move on. Ask for forgiveness. Correct our ways and our behavior. And move on. Father, speak to hearts. Help each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.